Welcome to Bright Now, a podcast about parenting and educating talented kids, sponsored by the Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth. I'm your host, Jonathan Plucker, the Julian C. Stanley Endowed Professor of Talent Development at CTY and Johns Hopkins University. In the course of my work, I get to meet lots of fascinating people who are making the world a better place, many of whom don't work within gifted or advanced education, but have lots to offer those fields. With the world's current situation, their efforts are needed now more than ever. I became acquainted with today's guest recently, and I thought you'd like to hear his story and learn more about his work. Trey Gamage is an educational consultant, podcaster, and the author of Every Decision Counts, Eight Lessons I Wish They Taught Me in School, a social and emotional learning workbook for middle and high school students. Trey started his career in student affairs and professional speaking, finishing in the semifinals of the Toastmasters 2016 World Championship of Public Speaking. After this experience, he dove headfirst into education, helping schools with their development of social, emotional, and communication skills. He hosts The Dash Podcast, a weekly show that features educators who facilitate solutions in school communities. Trey, welcome to Bright Now. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. I've, I got acquainted with your podcast as well a few months ago. It was great to have you on the Dash podcast and talk about how you're bridging excellence gaps in education. So it's a joy to be on your platform, sir. Oh, that's great. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. So let's start sort of with some like foundational stuff. If you could just sort of give us a brief overview of your background and your journey, like how, how did you get to what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in South Bend, Indiana. That's where Notre Dame is, what most people know it for at least. And throughout my childhood, I moved eight different times. I lived in 11 different homes by the time I finished college and really got like a rich dad, poor dad experience. On one end, my mother was so rich in love, so rich in care and and faith. And my father was rich in knowledge and wisdom and and actual physical money. So I, I had polar opposite households to live in all through my upbringing. And it really helped me to look at the world in a very different perspective. So off into college, I did go to Miami, Ohio, the real Miami and played football there continue to just expand my mind, studying psychology, cognitive, social, abnormal, studied abroad in Luxembourg my last semester. And while I was traveling to all those countries, I did not take time to apply for jobs. So I reached out to one of my mentors who um, was an educator in residence life. So I got into student affairs and that pushed me more into student services and just continuing to roll and really figure out what my assignment is on this earth as we speak. Speaking of that, you spend a lot of time working with schools, community groups, lots of different people on uh, social emotional learning and communication skills. And I was kind of wondering where your passion for that came from. Absolutely. You know, that's a really good question. And I think it's kind of always been just my nature. I really have a heart for people. Even in kindergarten, my teacher, when I walked across the stage, said I would be a baseball player and a child psychologist because I just had always wanted to be around people or make people feel good. And so in college, I just realized how privileged I was to have such strong parents, even though I didn't have a perfect upbringing. I realized how privileged I was to be born to the family I was born into. And it made me want to reach back and help someone who who wasn't blessed with 
the same structure or support in the household as I had. So again, going abroad, that flattened the world for me. It helped me to see the world in a very different way. I did a lot of reading of Ogmandino, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins, and those guys just really opened me up to a lot of the principles that life has. And if you can just grab a hold of three or four of those principles at a young age, you're going to be set up for major success in life. And so it was actually on, I think, the fourth episode of The Dash, my guest, Justin Moss, he said, when you see someone live their dream, it makes you either want to be a part of that dream or start living your own. And that's something that really grasped and held on to me and something that um, I wanted to do for other people. I want young people, young black and brown kids to see somebody that's young and black as well, doing what they love to do. So that will inspire other people to do the same thing. Well, that's all uh, fantastic. Hey, talk a little bit about uh, social and emotional learning here. I mean, it's pretty clear to see why you're passionate about it now, but I'm. what do you think are the biggest hurdles to helping yeah. children develop their social and emotional skill sets, you know, especially kids who may not have the advantages of growing in an upper middle class or an upper class home. For some reason, we don't value skills that you can't see. And so even though SEL and Castle has been doing research since 1990, I think it's just starting to get to a place where people are starting to take serious the value of communication skills, of professional skills. And that's really where I learned it in Toastmasters. I mean, I learned so much about your ability to communicate and the level of confidence that that gives you and the ability to go and try new things and be outgoing. It helps so much. And so I learned about communication and emotional intelligence first, but in education, that's called social and emotional learning. So I didn't have that education background, but it helped me to understand that gap in the educational perspective. So I feel like if we get to a place where we can start to treat social and emotional learning the same way that we treat standardized testing, you know, in placement for these kind of things, I think that'll make a big difference. But right now, since you can't see self-management or social recognition, it, we don't value it as much. But the studies in the workplace and school show that these skills uh, represent up to 80% or more of your success in the workplace, much more so than grades or IQ does. We have a lot of parents and a lot of educators who listen to this podcast, Trey. Like, what advice would you give them regarding promoting social and emotional development? So I'd say have conversations. I mean, a lot of it is just helping to make kids and children, even adults, aware of how they're feeling. You know, the starters with self-awareness. That's just understanding yourself. You know, take the time to reflect on a day, what each decision means, what value you find in your life or the world. You know, there's plenty of tools that are online and even around you. But I think the most important thing to do is just have conversations. And most things you can learn and teach through those conversations. Be specific and strategic about what you want to say to your kids, but you want to prepare them for a global economy and their skills that they need, like having a relationship, solving those resolution skills, making decisions, self and social management. Those are skills that you can work on in the day-to-day -day life and don't necessarily need a curriculum for. 
Let's transition over and talk about communication skills. As you and I have talked about before, I totally agree. Well, I certainly agree that social and emotional learning is important too, but a lot of people are talking about SEL stuff. You don't hear a ton of people saying that communication skills are super, super important. And Mm -hmm. I think they are a critical, critical building block for anything that you want to do in life. Um, And I know that you feel uh, similarly, but can we talk a little bit about how you view communication skills? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, how often are you communicating something to somebody? A hundred percent of the time. I mean, you're walking uh, across the street or across the hall, you know, you're communicating something to somebody. And when I think of communication, it's not just you and me talking right now. I talk to myself in my mind as well. The the emotional, the mental conversations that I'm having with myself, the way that I treat myself, the question I like to ask students, if your friend treated you the way you treated yourself or talked to yourself, would y'all still be friends? And so when we think about communication, how can you articulate or even understand the way that you're thinking, the way that you're feeling, or the way that you act? If you don't have the appropriate words or the appropriate ways to share the information that's in your head, you're going to be misunderstood before every conversation starts. You'll find that when you are having conversations with people, a lot of disagreements are not because you have a difference in philosophy. You're just on different pages of the same book. If I could adjust what I'm saying or open my ears a little bit more to hear what you're trying to communicate with me, that will in turn help me to represent a better um, understanding of what you're saying to me and how I'm going to communicate to you. I really love the example you just gave about, you know, if you talked to a friend the way that you talk to yourself, would you guys still be friends? I just hadn't thought of it from that perspective before. Just the value and importance of strong, constructive, positive internal communication. I just think that's great. Sort of the same question I had for social-emotional learning. Are there specific things that parents and teachers should be doing to promote communication skills from your perspective? I think from that standpoint, make your kids speak, you know, make them talk. That's the main thing. I think those reflective questions, anytime you give a child, a student a chance to answer a question open-endedly and being curious, you're doing something to help them. Now, that's about as basic as you can get. Not using any platforms, not using any tools. Allow the student to share their voice, even in specific check-in, check-out programs. For me, that's that's my chance to parent. There's one student in particular that I really just wanted to hear their voice. And so for those times that I had 10 minutes to check in with that student, I just asked them to speak. I just asked them questions that helped them open up. After a month, after six weeks, as soon as they come in the room, they're smiling and they have something to say. You know, when I encourage or even challenge people to get out of their comfort zone and help them connect the dots between think, feel, and act, that's where the world starts to go around. I think if I can surmise that ramble that I just had, you know, it's, it's help connect those dots between what your kids are thinking, feeling, and acting. Everything has a root cause and you can connect those dots once you're aware of them. I love your advice just to get kids talking. One thing that I talk to teachers, but also parents about is, uh, like, I'm very interested, as you know, in communication about creativity. Like, you can't expect students to go out on a limb and share their ideas 
especially if they're still kind of fragile ideas early in the process, if you're not showing them that you value their ideas. So you don't have to agree with everybody, but just to be able to make sure students can see that if they take that risk, if they're a really shy person and they jump out and say, well, I've been thinking this, that there's an adult with an earshot who's like, oh, I value what you just said. Like, not say it, but at least show that attitude. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. I mean, I was a very, very shy child, um, which any of my friends who are listening to this are probably scoffing <laughs> at that. But I hated talking, and I didn't like talking when there were adults around. I didn't talk a lot with yeah. my friends. But it was just, you know, teachers who showed that they did care what I thought. And I slowly worked my way out of that. I just think it's so important to be able to show value. Yeah, I think it makes a huge difference. Every opportunity I get, I make kids speak. There's a program that I partnered with called STEM Scholars, and it helps middle school and high school kids prepare for the Governor's School of Science and Math here in South Carolina. It's a very rigorous, prestigious academic school, and one of the first things that I wanted to incorporate was a public speaking unit. And they all hated it at first. Even some kids I'm working with in high school, they had a public speaking course they had to do for English class. All of them chose to fail it instead of take that course. It was online. But once they actually do the speaking, once they actually get up and they feel the confidence that comes with it, even some of the skills that they learn when it comes to speaking is, um, you know, how to project your body, how to use body language, how to use inflection, how to use your face, how to express. Again, once you become aware of these things, you then have the knowledge to go act upon them. And I do have to go back, Jonathan, one more time because you know I want to really give something practical for people to use. In classrooms, probably the best way to help build some of those skills, restorative circles. Very easy talking circles, restorative circles. Very easy that you can do a lot of great advice. Chicago Public Schools has the best framework I've seen for it. And even for parents, you know, you can call it more of a peer conversation or a restorative conversation where you're really asking specific questions that are helping kids reflect. But that's a, a more specific label to put on them. Restorative conversations and restorative circles are a, a much more strategic way that people can implement SEL and communication with their youth. Speaking of implementing these things, I'd like to talk about your book a little bit. My first question about it, we have a few minutes left here, is what motivated you to write this book in the first place, Trey? So again, I've always had a heart for young people and really just sharing that. And I think the more you can multiply impact, the better. My favorite author is Dino, and he's a self-help author who writes in a lot in scrolls and writes a lot in principles. And, and that's kind of what I thought of with this book. And it's something that I kind of tried to write originally, but ended up transforming into this workbook for middle and high school students. So I was really thinking about who could use these principles and, and who was somebody that I wanted to write for. I thought about kids and, and specifically, like I really thought about one child or one brother, one student that I worked with for each chapter. And I essentially wrote a letter to them, dear Saeed, dear Zane, those are my brothers, dear Joe, dear John, Dear Susie, I wrote a letter to them in a conversational tone that allowed them to work through the conversation that we were having in text. You very nicely sent me a copy of the book, and it really is a workbook. Like, that's not just you saying that in the title. It's definitely a book that, like, really helps 
young people work through a lot of these things. Do you have any advice for how students and families can sort of best use the book? Yeah, for sure. So I've had my first opportunity to really teach the book to a class and I just go chapter by chapter. And so I have gone through myself and I've decided, hey, I'm going to do read independently chapter two because it's shorter or chapter one, you're going to read along together with a partner. You're going to go one by one. But I think the best way, you know, if you're going to read it in twos, go chapter at a time. If you're going to read it as a class, I can take about an hour and get through three chapters if I really wanted to Uh, That's including with small group discussions, because as you mentioned, each chapter literally has reflection questions for you to answer. Some of them you can answer on your own. Some of them you have to discuss with a peer. Some of them you have to discuss with an an elder. But it's something, especially now that we're out of school and, and maybe still so by the time this episode comes out, something great for you to read with a group of your friends and text each other about some of the questions and answers that you have. That is awesome. Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have today. Trey, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, sir. So just a reminder to our listeners that I will include all of the resources that we talked about today. And Trey mentioned a ton, so I will definitely be sure to work with him to get all of those. And then I'll also include a link to Trey's book and to his podcast. And I will put those in the show notes for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. That's it for this episode of Bright Now. Tell us what topics you'd like to see covered in future episodes by emailing your suggestions to brightnowpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy Bright Now, support us by sharing the podcast with friends on social media, and be sure to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Bright Now is produced by Jonathan Pucker, Tracy Guerin, and Trisha Schellenbach. Audio production by Iris Starkangelo and the team at Clean Cuts, a three C's company. Our score was written by Austin Coughlin from Noise Distillery. Special thanks to CTY's Interim Executive Director, Amy Shelton. Bright Now is underwritten by the Johns Hopkins Center for Talented Youth, a nonprofit dedicated to identifying and developing the talents of academically advanced students worldwide. Find us on the web at cty.jhu.edu and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.